Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 11 of the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. I'm your host, as usual, Robbie Owens from the Average Jake Firefighter Blog. We don't have enough experienced leaders in the field to run these projects. We're piling too much on inexperienced leaders who are unprepared. It was a genuine concern and risk that didn't seem to be fully comprehended by the company's executive team when brought to their attention. I addressed the problem head-on during one of my meetings with the senior leaders in the class. The point you bring up is a valid one, I said, but the only way to prepare those inexperienced leaders is to train them. You need to place them in tough circumstances and training that will prepare them for the challenges of the real world. Some on the team seemed skeptical. How is training ever going to replicate actual experience, one leader inquired. I could see others in the group nodding, agreeing with the premise of the question. I explained that training could not replace actual experience. There was nothing better than real-world experience. But I emphasized that challenging training programs that focused on realism, fundamentals, and repetition would greatly improve the performance of their junior leaders. It would also go far to mitigate the risk of failure by inexperienced junior leaders operating with too little oversight. I had talked extensively about the Battle of Ramadi and the lessons we had learned from it. We did this to give context to the group so they fully understood where the leadership principles we taught had come from. Do you know how much experience I had on the actual battlefield as a SEAL platoon commander before I deployed to Ramadi in 2006, I asked the group. Some shrugged. No one answered. They either didn't know, didn't want to guess, or perhaps didn't want to admit the answer. None, I said. That was my first time. I had never been a platoon commander before. I had never led a platoon of SEALs in advance of a huge conventional U.S. military force of 50 tanks and thousands of soldiers and Marines. I had never been in a real firefight before. No one in my platoon had done any of that before. Do you know how much experience Jocko had as a task unit commander when we deployed to Ramadi, I continued? None. And yet he showed exceptional strategic vision in counterinsurgency operations and led task unit bruiser as a key supporting element to the U.S. victory there. The Delta platoon commander, Seth Stone, he was deploying as a platoon commander for the first time, and he proved himself an extraordinary combat leader in his very first firefight. That is a portion of one of the chapters out of Jocko Willink and Leif Babin's new book, The Dichotomy of Leadership. It's a sequel or follow-up book to one of my favorite books, Extreme Ownership. And as I read that part, it's something that really speaks to me and really makes me, really just is one of the things that I've been saying for a long time in the fire service is that experience isn't everything. Experience is valuable. Experience is important. But experience is not everything. So what I want to talk about today on the podcast is kind of expand on that portion of Jocko and Leif's book and talk 
about what I think values experience, what I think is the, what I call triangle of firefighting power, and that is education, training, and experience. And I want to talk about what those are. I want to talk about how we can utilize them. I want to talk about what value they actually bring to the table. And I want to talk about you know just the differences in them, but how you need them all to be a well-rounded and complete firefighter. And some of this stems from just various things. Uh, as you guys know, I'm pretty active on social media. Follow me at Average Jake FF. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, all of those things. It's all through Average Jake. I'm on LinkedIn, all of those things. And I participate in some discussions, and sometimes I wish I didn't participate in some discussions. But I've always kind of had this debate with people. And I've had it with the, the names of the fire service, like Kurt Isaacson, like uh, I know Kyle Samsing from Newport News, Chris Tobin, uh, you know, all these guys that are very active in the firefighting social media. Uh, we've gone round and round and round about this experience, training, education. We've gone round and round about it, and we've kind of always ended up back where we started from. Very similarly to the Masking Up podcast I did last, uh, the last time, this is not necessarily me trying to change your mind. This is what I believe, and I hope it just allows you to gain another perspective. I hope it allows you to maybe step outside your box, step outside your tunnel, because we can get tunnel vision. You know, we talk about tunnel vision on the fire ground, but we can get tunnel vision with our views and opinions, whereas we become so bought in to what we're doing and what we believe and what we're and what we're saying that we don't ever stop look around and listen to what other people are saying and perhaps adjust to what we need to do or to change our mind. So again, I'm not trying to change your mind. All I'm trying to do is maybe give you a different perspective. And it's a perspective from a guy who has been in the fire service since he was 15 years old, has worked in rural, suburban, urban environments, has, you know, you know, has just had a, a varying degree of, of firefighting experience that has, you know, and been able to participate in just a lot of different things. Um, some would consider me lucky, uh, and I consider myself lucky to have been exposed to what I've been exposed to. But it's not necessarily bragging. It's just that that's just the the paths that my career has taken me. So let's start with it. The triangle of firefighting power. Education, training, and experience. Let's start with education. A lot of people get wrapped around the axle with what education is. A lot of people uh, think it has to mean that it's formal education. That it is, you know, meaning bachelor's degrees, meaning master's degrees, doctorates, you know, or even EFO or MO from the National Fire Academy. And it does mean that. But it also is reading. And when I say reading, reading books, reading books like The Dichotomy of Leadership, reading Fire Engineering Magazine, reading Firehouse Magazine, getting online and reading an educational blog reading leadership books, reading all sorts of things. I talk about every every time I teach, everything I do, I talk about that one hour. 
want to have one hour in the library. And that's where this happens. Education is also watching YouTube videos. You can watch that YouTube video and you can learn or get an education from what other people are doing. Sometimes that's the most valuable teacher because you'd learn what maybe you don't want to do. So I talk about education. I talk about that one hour being in the gym. And I talk all of those things because they're important. Some may say that there's too much emphasis put on formal education. And I don't necessarily agree or disagree with that. I do believe that depending on the level you're at in your fire department, that you may need to have some sort of formal education, like a bachelor's degree or the EFO designation from the National Fire Academy. For the base level firefighter, for company officers like lieutenants, captains, guys that are riding that right front seat, chauffeurs, I don't think you need that formal education. I don't think you need a bachelor's degree to ride in the right front seat of a fire engine and be a good fire lieutenant or a good fire captain, a good fire ground tactical officer. I don't think you need a bachelor's degree for that. You need an education. You need to be up on fire dynamics. You need to be up on flow rates. You need to be up on all of those things. That's educational stuff. You need to read Dennis Laguerre's articles. You need to read, uh, you know, Kurt Isaacson's articles. You need to, you know, read Ray McCormack, you know, Andy Fredericks, all those things. Vincent Dunn. You need to read all those stuff. And you need to compare and contrast what their tactics are to what you're doing on your job. Get that education. That's an education. But it has nothing to do with formality. You're not going to get a degree with all that stuff. That's the education you need if you're going to be a frontline firefighter or you're going to be an, a company officer. With that being said, the higher you go up in the organization, which I really I hate the word organization, but sometimes it's just the best word. Organization, I think, the term organization, I think, really lessens what we do as firefighters, and it really lessens what we do as a fire department. So I, sometimes I use the words interchangeably, but I really don't like that word organization. I like fire department because we're the fire department. But the higher you go up in your fire department, if you want to be battalion chief, operations chief, like deputy chief of operations, the fire chief, like the fire chief, the leader of that fire department. I think then that you start to go into some formal education area because let's think about it. At least in my fire department, which is where I'm speaking from in the fire departments that I've been exposed to, a lot of times when you're at that, even the battalion chief level, you need a little more, and even the level that I'm at right now, you need a little bit more human resource education. You need a little more than just those strategy and tactics fire ground education. We're dealing today, and for better or for worse, for better or for worse, the workforce that we're attracting, while we have good people that we're attracting, we're still getting good people, and we're still getting people that are all about the job, they are bringing with them some, I'll call human resource baggage that a lot of people, myself included, are not prepared for. I did not have that kind of education. I even have formal education. I have a bachelor's degree. 
but I had to seek out more formal and informal education on how to deal with some of these people, some of the problems that they were bringing to me. Because that's not where I focused. What That's really still not 100% where my focus is. I'm getting better at that part of the job, but I, I still struggle with it. It's still something that I struggle with every, every day, every shift at the firehouse. And the higher you go in your fire department, you're going to deal with more of that stuff. While battalion chief is still very operational, and I still that battalion chief is still right on the cusp of something I don't necessarily think you need a bachelor's degree or formal education to do, it's right there at it. When you start to think about that level, you probably start need to start thinking about getting some formal education so that you can handle the other fires that we tend to have to put out every day. So that's education. It can be formal, informal, uh, but, you know, and, and here's the thing, too. You're going to have paper chasers, right? I know somebody, Rick George, put on uh, Twitter and LinkedIn today talking about paper chasers. I don't really care about the paper chasers because the paper chasers don't want to be firemen, okay? They want to be the finance chief. That's okay. They can be the finance chief. I, I, you know, that, that's stuff that I don't want to do. I don't want to do budgets, I want to be a fire ground leader. I want to be, I'd like to be a battalion chief one day, but I want to be an operational battalion chief. I want to find, 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 I want to mentor company officers to be good fire officers, to be good firemen. I, I'm not interested in balancing the budget of the, of the fire department. I'm not interested in, in some of those things. There are people that are. And that's wonderful. But you also have to realize that if that's what they want, if they want to be the deputy chief of administration, they're going to far surpass you. They're going to outrank you. And they may come to a point where they make decisions for the entire fire department. But that's what they're doing. I don't ever want to be at that level because I want to be a fireman. I want to be in operations. It would not upset me if I was in operations until the very day I retire. That's the deal. So if you're not willing to, to, to make that sacrifice, then you're going to have people that chase that paper and get up to the high levels of the, of the uh, fire department, and they're going to be the decision makers. Because let's think about it, folks. I don't, I, and, and maybe I'm speaking out of school, but I know in all the fire departments that I've been, I've been around that if you want to make global sweeping changes, I'm not talking about... Uh, changes at the station level, the engine company level. You want to make global sweeping changes. You have to get your hand on the steering wheel. And getting your hand on the steering wheel means that you usually have to have some sort of rank behind your name. And so you have to find out what your department values. I know that my fire department values formal education, i.e. a bachelor's, associate's, master's, and the National Fire Academy. I watched over and over and over again guys get promoted that had those tragedies attached to their name. When they had their email signature, it has like 16 little letters like MSBA, EFO, MO, you know, all of that stuff, accredited fire officer, all of those things. Which in reality, 
don't make them a better fire officer than me. I understand that. It doesn't make them a better fire officer or firefighter than any one of you. But they are resume builders. And if your organization values those things, those are the things you're going to have to get so that you can lead in the organization. So do you want to, if you want to know what your organization values, look at the last guys they promoted. Look at the last guys they promoted. If the last 10 guys all have bachelor's degrees, the last 10 guys that got promoted to lieutenant all have bachelor's degrees and all have medics and all are medics, then you need to go get that even if you don't find a lot of value in it. Because you'll never get to that leadership spot if you don't have those things. And a lot of people are like, well, screw that. I'm not going to give them a satisfaction. If they want me, they'll pick me, and that's all well and good. But if you're the better leader, all you're doing is hurting the fire department. Because you won't play the game enough to get in that situation or to get in that position so that you can be the best guy to lead the people. That's all you're doing by ignoring that piece. And a lot of departments are valuing that formal education piece these days because the job is changing, because of the workforce and because of the way the world is. So that's education in a nutshell. And it's just one leg of that firefighting triangle. The next leg is training. And again, I talk about this every day. One hour hands-on training every day. So let's talk about training. Training, to me, can mean a couple different things. And training and education, the lines can blur a little bit. For example, yesterday I went to uh, the UL Understanding and Fighting Basement Fire class. That was a classroom session, but to me it's also training. I'm getting an education, but to me it's also training because we talked about strategy, we talked about tactics, we talked about nozzles, we talked about flow rates, we talked about, you know, so I'm getting an education, but to me it's also training uh, because I can take that stuff back and I can duplicate it in my hands-on training. You know, so you can go to, uh, you know, some of these other places and you can do stuff like that. You can go to those FDIC classroom sessions. And yes, they're, they're educational, but they're also stuff that a lot of the times you can bring back and you can duplicate in your hands-on training and in your fire ground training. So, so it's all good. It's kind of, but what I really mean when I'm talking about training is that hands-on training, that blue-collar firemanship training. Putting your hands on the tools and equipment that we use every day or should be using every day. It's, it's important. It is important, it's vital, and a lot of times it's simple. It doesn't have to be these grand five-hour evolutions where we, where we beat ourselves to death and we really don't learn nothing because we're so tired after the first hour that we're not learning anything, we're not improving. The training can be something as simple as I put this on Instagram a couple days ago or a week or two ago. It was hot outside, so and I wanted to pull lines, but it was super hot. We have an SOG about training in hot weather, but it was super hot. Okay, I dropped down to my shorts and my t-shirt. I put my fire gloves on and I used the hose pack and I pretended that I put you know I packed it up, put it on my shoulder, and acted like I just pulled it off the tray of the engine or the cross lay of the engine, and I was stretching it from the engine to the door, and I did it over and over and over again. We simulated last shift, we simulated high-rise conditions. Well, we couldn't get out of service because the West End was doing training. So we simulated high-rise op- uh, op- operations at the firehouse. I have found an old valve 
I tied it to our flagpole to simulate the standpipe connection. And we stretched line from there. And we did it over and over and over again. It was kind of like a fire department walkthrough. You know, NFL players all the time, they have walkthroughs. They run the plays, but they don't go full speed. But they try to get out little kinks and little, you know, and find out where maybe they're not up to par as they should be. They're not as dialed in as they should be. That's just as valuable in the fire department. And we're putting our hands on it. We're stretching the line. We're not going at full speed. But we're stretching the line. We're packing it back. We're finding deficiencies and all these things. We're talking it out. We're talking it out as we go. Like, hey, wouldn't it be better if I did this here? Yeah, let's try that. And then we can go full speed. The next time we can go out of service, we'll do that again and we can go full speed. So putting that hands-on, so putting that hands-on aspect, we have to have that. We have to have that. And to me, training, just like it said in the dichotomy of leadership in the piece that I read, training is the only way to lessen the learning curve for experience. Training is the only way to do that. And I'm not just talking about, you know, again, beating yourselves down or whatever, but repeatable, real, hands-on training, hard enough to where it challenges you, but not so hard to where you don't learn. Because if you're not learning, then what's the point? And also, I think it should be okay to fail in training. So many times in every department I've ever worked for, when they bring up the topic of training, people get so nervous because, oh, like we go to live burns or we do this stuff. People get so nervous because like, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to mess up. Who cares if you mess up? I would rather you mess up on the drill ground so that we can fix it than have you, uh, you know, be so nervous that you don't do anything right. Or, you know, so worked up that you don't want to go to training. I mean, we have people that call out sick before we go to live burns. It's, it's ridiculous because they don't want to show, as one of the, my mentors would say, they don't want to show their warts. They want you to, to, they only want to show you your warts. We should be, it should be okay to fail in training. In fact, I want you to, I, I want to make it hard enough so whether we fail that it doesn't kill your confidence, but you learn from it so that we can correct it so that we can learn and we can move on and we can do it better next time. So that when we do have the opportunity to go to a fire, that we're ready. We've ironed out all the kinks. We're ready to go. I had this discussion with Kurt Isaacson on his message board on the county fire tactics uh, as a comment. He put up a video, and this was probably a year or two ago, but he put a video up or a picture up and said, you know, if you don't have any experience, then you know you probably would not be successful at this particular fire that he was talking about. And I kind of I kind of bucked at that a little bit because I don't believe that. I don't believe that because I've seen it myself. I've personally trained, and I'm not bragging, I'm not patting myself on my back here, but I've personally trained people that have never had never been in the fire service previous to coming to our department. Personally trained them and they've performed phenomenally at their first fire. Were they perfect? No, but were they able to do the job of a firefighter at their very first fire and do it well enough to where we were successful enough to win? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've seen it with my own two eyes. A guy that we trained for three months straight finally caught his first fire and he was able to to rock and roll on that fire with no issues. 
No issues whatsoever. Was he perfect? No. He kind of, you know, we hadn't practiced, you know, stretching around obstacles as much. So put that in the back of your mind. Next next day at training, guess what we did? We practiced stretching around some obstacles. But he was trained well enough to when he knew he was getting ready to mess up, he stopped, he fixed it, and he was able to move on. He probably pulled that crosslay 300 times prior to pulling to pulling it on that real fire. And so he was still able to do it per, uh, pretty much close to perfect. And that was all from training. He'd never been to this fire before. He'd never been to any fire before. But so how was he able to do so well? It was because we put him in realistic, repeatable training scenarios that he was able to fail at, fix himself, and then get better and get better, and get better incrementally every day. It's the only way to bridge that gap between for, with experience. It's the only way. Because guess what? I don't care what fire department you're from, there are stations in that fire department that aren't going to fires. Or aren't even going to enough almost fires where they get sets and reps. Where they have to pull that hose line and it's, ah, the truck put it out with the can. Or they had to pull that hose line for smoke in the house and it turned out to just be a fart fan that had burned up and they don't need, you know, it, it, it's easily just to yank it out of the ceiling and take it outside. Okay? It, it, they didn't even need to stretch the line or flow water. But they've got enough sets and reps underneath their belt. Some of these, guys, some of these places don't have that. So you even have to ramp your training up even more. One thing I do find funny is that the busy companies are usually the companies that train the most. I haven't quite figured that one out yet. In fact, I say that in jest. I know the deal. But still, if you're at a slow company, that even means you got to dial yourself up even more. I know it, for ex- from example, I take myself. I was at one of the busiest engine companies in my county, and now I'm at one of the slowest. And at the busy engine company, we were pulling out of the station 10, 12, 15 times a day. We were going to, to box alarms. We don't call them box alarms, but I, I, I refer to them as that sometimes. It's kind of like a global uh, you know, fire department. Everybody kind of knows what a box alarm is. But we were going to alarms. We were going to smells of smoke. We were going to smokes in buildings. We were pulling lines on real calls, uh, You know, maybe not using them every day. We were going to some fires. You know, we, we were getting a lot of sets and reps, but we still trained for an hour every day, even with getting all those sets and reps. But now at the place I'm at now, where we're a tanker company and we're always running away from help and we're slower. We maybe only run two or three calls a day, maybe four or five if we're lucky. They're probably not fire calls. You know, they're, they're mostly accidents and EMS calls. Uh, we're not getting those sets and reps. We're not getting those sets and reps that we get that I got at the other company. So we have to train even more. We have to focus that training and dial it in because that's the only way. And especially with two rookies at that station, that have never done anything in the fire department, how are they going to be ready for that first fire if we don't train them hard? They won't be. That's the, that's the thing right there. They won't be. And then when they fail, someone will point to the word experience. They just don't have experience enough. And I think that's a cop-out. No, they you didn't train them. You didn't train them. So that's to me why training is important. That's why I preach that one hour every day. That's why I preach that one hour getting after it. Get out there. Put your hands on it. And that brings us to the the last leg of the triangle. Experience. 
it's a dirty word sometimes in the fire department because everybody's got their own opinion on what experience is, what experience is not. Uh, you know, are do ten, does tenure mean experience? You know, years of service mean experience. You know, how many fire? You know, okay, you went to a hundred fires last year, but were you on the nozzle every time, or did you drive a couple of those, or were you the officer every time, or did you know? Uh, it, experience it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and people they it, that you know, politics. I don't know if it sparks more passionate debate than the word experience. I'm here to tell you first and foremost that experience is valuable. There have been a lot of people that have said that I, that I don't believe that, and I'm here to tell you right now, Robbie Owens, Average Jake Firefighter Podcast, Average Jake Firefighter Blog, says that experience does matter. It matters. There's nothing like a guy who's worked 10, 15, 20 years in the same district who knows every street, every hydrant, every building, knows all the old people, can remember their names, all that stuff. He, There's nothing like that. That is an officer's dream. And I've been lucky enough to work around so many people like that that make my job just so much easier because I don't necessarily have to be dead on accurate with my directions because they know it. They know it, and they know the links of the hose. We went to a a uh, nursing home in my first due the other night, and the guy with me, he's been working in that district for, he's been on the fire department, I think, for close to eight years. He's been in that district for a majority of his eight years. We walked in. After we took care of the nice lady who was having a medical problem, as we were leaving, he was like, hey, you haven't been here yet. Let me show you around. And he shows me the elevator room. And he shows me, you know, he knows where all the nooks and crannies is. But he knows the lengths of the ho- the hallways by memory so that we know which lines to stretch and how we're going to stretch here and, and all those things. There's Man, that's valuable. How could you displace something like that? You can't. You cannot not put value on that. But it's not everything. Because if it was everything, then those new guys wouldn't be able to perform at fires. Those guys I just talked about in the training piece would not be able to perform at their very first fire if experience was the only thing that matters. Experience just enhances your training. Experience just enhances your training. Experience leads you to go, man, we need to train on that because we haven't done it in a while. Or experience leads you to say like, wow, I don't have one for this one yet, so we need it. now that I do, we need to go back and train on it so that the next time I'm ready to go. Or experience allows you to go, hey man, I've been working in this district for a long time. All the houses are bungalows, they're 500 square foot bungalows, and these are the host stretches that we need to work on because we do them all the time. We have short setbacks and, and small houses. So this is how we need to practice stretching the line. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's what I'm talking about. That's where the experience comes in. It allows you to bullseye that training, that education. It allows you to go, to have the wherewithal to go like, hey, I've not been here before. We need to train on it. Because a lot of things that people don't tell you about experience is that experience usually only helps you get it right the second time. 
usually only helps you get it right the second time. Experience is just another word for mistakes. Like, oh, I screwed that up. I won't do it like that next time. I'm going to go back and train on it so that I'm better at it the next time. Because this is the mistake that I made. And I do that all the time. The dirty secret about experience is that, guess what? Tenure doesn't equal experience. I don't care if you've got 40,000 years on the fire department. That's not experience. Experience is what you've done and what you're doing with it. I would take some two-year guys in my department that are at the busiest engine company and are running fires once or twice a cycle versus some 40-year guys in our department that haven't run a fire in seven years. I'm not saying what they know is not valuable, but when's the last time they took it out? And, uh, you know, I use this analogy, you know, experience kind of like that, that old car in the, uh, in, the, in the garage, that if you don't pull it out and rev that motor every once in a while, you don't know if it still works, okay? Sometimes you got to take that thing out on the racetrack, take it around the, you know, make sure that it's still got, you know, all the gears still switch and the oil still works, okay? Everything, you know, it, it, you can't just let it stay stagnant. We're in a changing fire department. We're in a changing fire service. I talked about that at the beginning with the human resource stuff, but st- I talked about it even on the last podcast, about the evolution of SCBA and how I went from a firefighter who didn't put my mask on uh, in the rig to one that did, and then how it changed again when I became a company officer. That was all trial and error experience and training and education, all three of those things. But I didn't just go like, nope, this is the way I was taught. This is the way that I did it for the first five years of my fire service career. I'm not changing. That would have been just sitting on that experience. That dog, as they say, don't hunt. Okay, so if you're not, for lack of a better term, performing some sort of preventative maintenance on your experience, then I don't think that you're still in the game. I don't think that you're still in the game. I don't think maybe you're experienced. You know, I, I, I totally respect any firefighter that was fighting fire in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Those were a lot of places where a lot of things were burning down. Busy, busy times. But just because they did that, we don't want to ignore their lessons, but we have to make sure that they're still viable today. A lot of the things are, some of the things aren't, Okay. Uh, I know guys that, you know, they still used filter masks. We're not using filter masks anymore. Guys that had the old, uh, in my fire department, when they issued the old polycarbon helmets, you'd have to go back to like, look at episodes of emergency that Roy and, uh, and Johnny wore at brush fires. They would turn those helmets around, uh, to shield their faces from the heat. They would even do that in house fires sometimes because they weren't wearing SCBA. We don't do that today. So that little lesson or little tidbit, that does, that's not going to work for us. That little experience isn't going to work for us. But carrying a pair of socks on the rig that one of the guys that fought the city of Richmond, uh, the guy I talked about on the podcast, Captain Birch, who was the captain of the flying squad, he told me to carry a pair of fire uh, extra socks on the rig with me every day. Because if your feet get wet, it's miserable. And that's a lesson that, that is valuable to every firefighter, no matter what generation of firefighting you're doing. No matter what generation of it. So we're not going to ignore that, but we've got to make sure it still plays out today. We've got to take that car out of the garage and rev that motor to see if it'll still run. 
And if not, we can remember it, we can honor it, but we got to put it on the shelf. Got to put it on the shelf. Experience is important. Experience is valuable, but it is not the end-all, be-all. We go back to that, what we read at the beginning of the podcast in the dichotomy of leadership, talking about how Jocko and Leif, they had never done what they were getting ready to do in one of the most dangerous cities in the world, Ramadi. But they were successful. And they were successful because of the aggressive and realistic training programs that they had to encounter in order to even be allowed to deploy to Ramadi. And that's where we need to be in the fire service. We, on a daily basis, don't even have the luxury of some of the planning that they do. Sure, they get thrown curveballs, they get thrown surprises, any military book, but a lot of the times there is extensive planning involved in any military mission. They get surveillance, they get topography maps, they get all of these things. And then they mitigate the risk down to as little as they can and then they act. We don't get that luxury. We don't know that the building is going to catch fire before it catches fire. So we're already operating behind the eight ball. So if you're thinking that all that your experience alone is going to get you through that, I don't think that's the answer. That may be an unpopular opinion, but I don't think that's the answer. Again, experience is vital. Anybody that has listened to this podcast or listened to anything that I've ever said, written, or whatever, thinks that I'm saying experience is not valuable, you're full of crap. If you don't think what I'm saying is right about experience... 804-641-8310, we can talk about it. But I'm telling you, experience is important, it's important, it's important. It's just not everything. It is one piece of that triangle. And that triangle keeps flowing around. I experience something that I had never experienced before, I go back, I educate myself, I train on it. So that the next time, I'm ready. So that the next time when that experience comes up again, I've shored my experience up. Or, I know that there's something I don't know. Maybe I haven't experienced it yet. But I know that there's something I don't know or I know I might experience it because I'm educating myself on the calls that are in my district. I'm walking around these buildings. They build a new building in your district. You don't know anything about it. You educate yourself on it. You go look at it and you're like, man... We are not good at stretching standpipes. We don't have any experience with that. So what do you do? You go back and you train on standpipes and you read about standpipes. So that way when that fire happens in that building, you're ready. Because let's be honest here, folks. Success is just when preparation meets opportunity. That's how you succeed. Usually the most successful people in the successful fire ground operations are not winging it. Winging it doesn't work. Sometimes you got to deviate, but usually that's deviating from a plan that's already put in place. That's another place where your experience can become valuable. But experience matters. That whole piece of it matters. Education, training, experience, it all matters. It all plays a role in becoming a great, well-rounded firefighter. you got to have it all. you got to have it all.
that's kind of all I got for this this little topic. But again, just just make sure that we're doing everything the right way. Make sure that we're doing all spending time educating ourselves. And that doesn't and that doesn't mean you have to go back to school. It doesn't mean you have to go to Columbia Southern online or EKU online or any of the other you know American University. That doesn't mean you have to go to the NFA and get the managing officer program or the executive fire officer program. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean you need to spend some time educating yourself about the job. Read those UL studies. Read the nozzle studies by Dennis Laguerre. Go back in a in an old fire streams book and read that stuff. That's educating. Go watch YouTube. Go watch University of YouTube. Okay? Make sure we're we're educating ourselves. Make sure we're spending some time doing some sort of hands-on training every day. Make sure we're putting our hands on that stuff. Going out in your district and stretching lines. Uh, on vacant properties, you know, getting some real world, as real as we can get training. Make that training as real and as, and as, and as relevant as possible. Real, relevant, and repeatable training is going to win. And then that way, when, that, when, you're, when, when you have the opportunity to get that experience, to add some experience to that, then you'll be ready and you'll be even better. Your next training will be even better and it'll help you dial in. Because we have to be dialed in. We have to be dialed in at all times. If you're really, I said this on the last podcast, if you're really all about them, then you should be showing it in your actions, not just your words. If you're really all about them, let's make sure that we're dialed in. Let's make sure we're not just resting on our laurels and saying, up. I've been to a fire in a in a two-story residential home. I don't need to train on that. I already know what I'm doing. Let's review it. Let's refresh it. Let's make sure what you know is still relevant today. And you don't got to kill yourself. It takes three hours to make a lot of this stuff happen. Hour a day. Education, hour a day fitness, hour a day hands-on training, and you can be pretty daggone good. Stay tuned. We'll be right back right after this. Hey, everybody. Robbie here. Another uh, heavy topic on the podcast this week. Um, you know, but that's the type of stuff that it really, that I like to talk about. Um, it's it's stuff that, you know, it's out there It's and people are discussing it. And I want to throw my two cents in because sometimes people over Twitter or over Instagram can misconstrue some of the things you say. It's hard to talk in however many amount of characters you get these days. So, you know, it's a lot better for me to sometimes get my opinions out on this stuff. And again, I'm not trying to change your mind on any of the topics that we talk about. I'm trying to tell you what I do and what works for me. And I'm trying to tell you the stuff that I believe and the stuff that I preach and practice and, 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 and do every day. That doesn't mean you got to like it. It doesn't mean you even got to love it. But if you do like it, you can keep it. If you don't, you can send it right back, as Ron Burgundy would say. But uh, again, it's, it's it's just as heavy a topic, if is not if not more so than the SCBA stuff. And we're going to continue to talk about stuff like this on this podcast. I want this podcast to be, uh, you know, to be that. I want I don't want to be afraid to talk about controversial stuff because even if people disagree with it, people can come up to me and disagree. That's fine. Uh, you know, that's the you know people can email me, they can DM me at average Jake FF. I put my phone number out on this podcast 804-641-8310. You can call me, you can text me. Just tell me who you are because if you don't identify yourself, I'm gonna just think you're a troll. Uh, so, but, but that's kind of what we had. Uh, you know, I want to thank some people as I do every week because 
this has been it, it's a it's it's a labor, but it's a labor of love for me. Um, trying to put this podcast out, I love doing it. I want to give other people an opportunity to to be on the podcast. I want to give people an opportunity to voice their opinions and concerns, even if I don't agree with them all the time. But uh, that's what I want the podcast to be. I want it to be a place where we can have conversations. We're not afraid to talk about the the tough stuff, and we can disagree and disagree respectfully and then still part ways and and be fine with each other. But uh, again, like I said, I want to thank some people. First off, just just thank people that are continuing to support me. Guys like Ryan Pennington from Jump Seat Views. Guys like Pete Lamb, Steve Green. Pete Lamb from the Firefighter Training Podcast. Steve Green from uh, Five Alarm Task Force and Dalmatian Productions. Andy Starnes from Insight Training. John Dixon. Sean from Max Firebox. Chris Baker. All of those guys have just been nothing but supportive for me. They all have things that they're doing. Andy's at Insight Training. He's the man when it comes to thermal imaging. Uh, Chris Baker's at instructor uh, doing stuff with InstructorBaker.com. John Dixon's teaching normalization of deviants. You can Google search all these guys. Ryan Pennington is doing a, is the hoarder guy, as he calls himself. Chief Lamb's got the podcast. Sean from Max Firebox, the best fire behavior trainer out there. Uh, if you've never had the opportunity to go see the Max Firebox, then you need to do yourself a favor and get him to your area so that he can not only give you a product that will allow you to repeat fire behavior training over and over again, but will also give you a super good education. Uh, the guy knows his fire behavior. And all those guys, they support me. They, they give me encouragement. They text me when they think something's going wrong. They're just great support, and, and I can't say thank you enough. Just saying thank you is not enough for these guys. So I hope they all know what they mean to me and that how much their support means. And, and big shout-out, congratulations to Andy Starnes, who's getting promoted to battalion chief with uh, the city of Charlotte, North Carolina Fire Department. I cannot think of a better guy for that to happen to. So, Andy, congratulations from everybody here at Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. Uh, I also wouldn't be able to do what I do without the support of some great companies. The first being Vanguard Safety Wear. Vanguard Safety Wear is the makers of the MK1 Fire Glove. I wear MK1 Fire Gloves every day I'm on shift, and they are awesome. They have great dexterity. They're good for everything. They get better with every use uh, you know, I just can't say enough about these gloves. So go to VanguardSafetyWear.com. They're coming out with a whole lot of other stuff. Make sure you get some MK1 fire gloves. Make sure you get the uh, the rescue glove. Make sure you get all the stuff that they're putting out. They're coming out with some awesome, awesome stuff. So VanguardSafetyWear.com, made for work. And the second company is Taylor's Tins. Taylor's Tins makes, in my opinion, the best helmet front you can get today. They're metal helmet fronts that not only are tough and will last you forever, they're awesome looking. They're some of the best stuff I've ever seen in my career. Uh, you know, people are putting out these great looking leather fronts and, and all that stuff, but these Taylor's tins rival those, 100% rival those, and they are tougher as nails. Like I said in the last podcast, I dropped mine, no damage, you can't tell. Uh, it, it, it's like it was. It's like I just came out of the sleeve. 
So go to taylorstins.com, also facebook.com slash taylorstins to make sure that you get in contact with Taylor, get him to design your Taylor's tin, and get that thing on your helmet. You will be the envy of all your fire service friends with a Taylor's tin. And that's, again, all I got. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Average Jake. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Average Jake FF. I'm on LinkedIn at Robert Owens. I'm on uh, all sorts of various social media. You want to be on the podcast, make sure you email me or message me, private message me, direct message me. Uh, got a lot of other great stuff coming, a lot of other great content. Uh, you know, Hopefully going to be keep, keep pushing it out to, to a month. Um, you know, If you like what you're seeing... Go on iTunes, go on all the places that this thing is published out of, go on Stitcher, like the podcast, uh, go on Anchor app and like the podcast, get on uh, iTunes, give us that five-star rating, leave a review, it'll help other firefighters find the podcast. So like I say with every time when I do one of these, one hour in the gym every day, one hour in the library every day, and one hour doing some sort of hands-on training. You do that, you become a pretty phenomenal firefighter, and you'll be ready with your education and your training when you have the opportunity to acquire some experience. Thanks, and stay safe.